catches, puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner. Today, joining me, one of the co-hosts, weekdays 10 to 2 on the Zolak and Bertrand Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub, Rob Hardy-Pool. Rob, how are you doing, man? I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Good, Cam. I'm happy to do it. How are you doing? Not bad. You know, I was very glad that, again, you took the time to join me. And again, for the fans watching, the nickname Hardy, we, I asked you on Friday uh, where that nickname comes from. For those. So we'll start with that. Where does the nickname Hardy originate from? Okay, I'm going to give you the uh, the mercifully short 30 second version freshman year michigan state uh i was kind of in a jock dorm and there were a bunch of like dudes in there who were very intimidating for like a you know five foot nothing 100 and nothing pound freshman mm. one of them thought my name was rod as opposed to rob yeah and, uh, they'd see me like in the halls of the dorm and be like hey what's up there rod and i just say hi nothing nothing <laughs> And uh, that, there's one dude in particular, um, uh, he, he started calling me Hot Rod. He's like, hey, what's going on there, Hot Rod? And I, and I didn't, didn't bother correcting him. And uh, Hot Rod became uh, Hot Rod Hearts, which mm-hmm. is a, a song from Robbie Dupree, like an old 70s song, which is like even like before our time, even though I'm old. But <laughs> this dude's like, yeah, there goes Hot Rod Hearts. Hot Rod Hearts got shortened to Hearts. Hearts became Hardy. This happened within six months of my freshman year at Michigan State 33 years ago. And then and it I've, stuck with you. I've been hardy ever since. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to get into the sports hub questions, of course. But when you first got to the sports hub, did they already know you as hardy or was it just was it Rob? Yeah. I mean, everybody like in college, you know, started calling me hardy. Mm-hmm. And um, when I first started doing radio shows in college and I, you know, I started doing radio in high school, my high school at a radio station. Uh, but when I started doing shows in college, I, I just kind of went by Hardy. It was like the Hardy show. Um, mm-hmm. And when I, when I first, I got my first, you know, I call it real job. I, I had a couple of pain radio jobs uh, around Lansing, Michigan, but my first, show that I did on my own, like an overnight show on the alternative station in East Lansing, I went by Hardy. And that's mm-hmm. what I've just, I've always gone by Hardy on the air. That goes back to February of 1994 when I fir- first started doing uh, overnights on this alternative station in Lansing. And so ever since then, when I've been on the air, I've just been Hardy. It's just whatever. That's what most people call me. It was the easiest thing to remember. And it wasn't, you know, it was, I don't know. I, I never gave it a whole lot of thought, quite frankly, but, you know, it just kind of that's what I went with and it stuck. Yeah, Friday, I was a little bit right. I knew it had some, something to do with music because I know you're a big music guy and uh, things like that. But it was this one dude. It was, his name is Jason Sorokin. I'll hmm. never forget that guy. He was uh, lived on my, you know, 6 West Wilson, Michigan State University. And uh, it was I, I think uh, we have uh, that guy to uh, to uh, blame or or to thank. <laughs> For my nickname yeah. that is stuck for all these years. No, right, for sure. And 
for the people that only know you from the sports sub, like what other things are you involved in as far, uh, as far as like broadcasting sports, sports media, uh, journalism and like things like that? Um, I, I mean, I was I've always been a radio guy, like going back to high school and mostly, you know, in, in music radio, uh, rock stations. I mean, I started on a, started on a country station as my first paid job, new country, one Oh two W I L S today's hot country favorites back to back. And I would do like, you know, I would run the Saturday morning syndication show, or I would, you know, occasionally get to crack the mic. I also did a smart shopper show. That was my first real paid radio job where I would, I, I would go in for one hour a day um, in the, for this AM country station. There was an AM and an FM there. And we would sell things that were given to the station by advertisers. So if they're, you know, Lansing hair and nail salon, they'd give us like free manicures and, you know, we, you know, a $10 value, you can have it for $5 today on the smart shopper show. And people would call in and buy this stuff. And it was a way for the radio station to make some money, you know, the, you know, non-traditional revenue NTR. So, you know, I started doing that, but I just, I love doing radio. I always loved doing radio in high school and in college. And I just, I took whatever radio job I could get, you know, whether it was at that AM country or the FM country that lasted about six months before I got into like rock radio. And you know, from there, I mostly did music radio. I did a couple of, you know, like side gigs here and there. When I, I moved from Lansing to New Mexico, I started working for a minor league hockey team there. But I was playing music in the stadium, you know, during during games. Uh, I did the same thing for like a minor league soccer team. So, you know, I, and I always, you know, loved sports and I was a fan. But, you know, my job in radio had mostly to do with music. And I would just pick up side gigs here and there that, you know, had like, a sports angle to it. Uh, you know, then I moved to Las Vegas and I had a couple other gigs around there, like hosting events for, you know, kind of like on the fringe of sports, you know, there was a, you know, they got the sky zone trampoline parks here in and around Boston. That guy was from LA and he wanted to create this whole new sport that was kind of like a cross between lacrosse and soccer and it was played in a you know in a sky zone trampoline park he hired me to come in and like MC one of his events so I was like always on the fringe just kind of like you know nipping at you know sports angles and stuff and it wasn't until I had moved to Boston uh, for a job at WBCN you know doing rock radio here in Boston and it wasn't until BCN blew up and they created the sports hub that I had my first real chance to do you know sports radio and 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 get into it full time and the, you know that was not a sure thing i mean when when they created the sports hub it was it was me it was fred and rich it was dan o'brien we were the old bcn guys and we were i was told anyway that i could audition and and get like a part-time job on the sports hub you know fred and rich went from mornings on bcn to mornings on the sports hub but you know it was touch and go for a while um it's ended up working out and it's been great because now in addition to doing the sports hub, I do um, a pre and post for uh, patriots.com. Uh, I've been doing that for, I think four or five years now. Uh, I've been working for the new England revolution doing, you know, very brief, but you know, it, it, it's important to, you know, to give some legitimacy and some, some airtime to the new England revolution doing uh, you know, pre half and post game shows. I've been doing that for, I don't know, maybe like seven years now something like that um and i you know i do so i do the the golf show on the sports hub i've i've hosted some golf shows on tv for uh, this tv show called golfing the world 
So, you know, it's just, it kind of goes with my mantra, Cam. It's like, my default answer is yes. You know, if somebody asks me to do something, you know, I'm grateful enough and I, I really am. I, I feel lucky enough to, to be asked in the first place. So my default answer is yes, thank you, please, please and thank you, I'll, I'll do that. And then decide later if it really works out, if, if I'm any, any good at it or they like me doing it or if it's something, you know, we want to continue doing. But yeah, it's, you know, for the most part, just saying yes to a lot of stuff has, has uh, allowed me to do a lot of different stuff and, and I enjoy all of it. I really do. Definitely. And I, like the first day I was on the sports topic, my very first day when I was like, you know, an intern and um, we talked about like Stone Freeman, who has been like a huge connection for me and a huge help for me throughout like my career. And he's taught me like you, like you said as well, like just say yes. You know what I mean? Any opportunity yeah. that comes your way, it's going to outlet your name to just become, you know, bigger and bigger and more opportunities are just going to come your way. So when, you know, I got the opportunity to be, come to the sports up to intern, I was like, you know, it's an hour and a half away from where I live, but I'm going to do it because it's going to help my, it's the first internship, but it's going to help my career, you know, get off to the, the start that it needs to be. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. I would, I would say like, I, I wouldn't be as like, as concerned about like growing your brand or doing things, you know, for your, you know, business. I honestly, Cam, it's, it should be as much about finding out what it is that you like to do. And yeah, can you get paid to do it? You know, right. and, and you really don't know until you try a lot of different things. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I still do a lot of music radio. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I work at a station in our building for Rock 92.9. And I do a few hours in the afternoon there. And I do satellite radio every single day. I'm on a satellite radio station doing music radio. But I wouldn't have known that I like to do any of this stuff until you, you do it. And it really wasn't... <sighs> You know, I'm trying to think if I ever, you know, I had a notion that's like, no, this would be good for the Hardy brand. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, yeah. I, don't, I, 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 I don't think that I have a brand. I don't think of, of, of me being in those terms because, you know, I'm not like, you know, one of the A-list guys. I'm not one of the, you know, the main hosts. I'm just a guy who likes to work and I like doing things in and around, you know, media, radio, TV, sports, music. So the more that I do, the more I get to do and the, the more likely I am to find something that I really like doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And right now I'm lucky enough to have found like three or four things that I currently do. And I like doing all of them. So it's, 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 it's been just, I think, good personal sense for me. Uh, and, and from, yeah, an economic standpoint, I guess, just to say yes to all these different things so that you can find stuff that you like and, and, and make some money out of too. Exactly. And like you said, with like the Hardy brand and like, you know, like for me, like branding myself, like, you, like if, if that comes along the way, like it doesn't hurt, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, if I guess the hard yeah. work, the hard work pays off. Like, I'm just thinking like in my perspective, it'd be like my hard work's paying off one. I'm like, I'm doing what I love, but if this is coming along with it. I mean, it's not. Think know. about the guys who are really good at what they do though, Cam. Yeah. Like, think, you know, think about guys like Felger. Think about, you know, guys like, uh, you know, or Maz, uh, even Zoe. I don't think Zoe sits around, uh, I, and I know Felger does. I don't think these guys sit around thinking about their brand, you know? Oh, no, right. Yeah, exactly. They just, yeah, yeah. You know, Zoe calls games for the Patriots and he's really good at it with no thought to his brand. It's just, he's a football guy and he understands the game. Felger and Maz, they host a, a you know, a talk show every day that has been phenomenally successful for a lot, a lot of years. Felger doesn't think about his brand. Mm. I don't think so. Ask Beetle. Ask Beetle, who's a great talk show host, if they think about their brand. You know, I just, I, 
if you're busy and you're and you're doing something and you're giving that your full attention, I don't think you have a lot of time or energy left over to be really thinking about your brand. I, I, I something tells me that people who spend a lot of time thinking about their brand are probably not all that busy doing something that is either worthwhile or meaningful to them in the first place. I'm thinking about my brand. Who cares? Who cares? Who mm. cares? Brand. I don't know. It's, it's just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. When I hear athletes talking about it too, it's like, oh, it's good for my brand to be in this market. You know, what would be good for you is to be really good at playing your sport. Yeah. You know, that would be good. That would be good. That's the best thing for your brand, you know, quite mm. frankly. And if, and if that's not the most important thing to you, okay, then go find that. But if you're concerned about your brand, then I think your concerns are in the wrong place. All right. Yeah. That's definitely a good way to look at it. And um, that's how more so like you said, just more of like the things that you can do just to outlet yourself. If you love it, like just keep going with it. And I yeah. completely agree with you on that. And, um, you know, going back to a little bit about your career, I know you mentioned before, again, you went to Michigan state, received a bachelor's degree in journalism. Um, again, before I get into the questions about like, like your, your first job opportunities and things like that, um, where are you originally from? And like, where did that uh, passion for sports come from for you? Cause I know, again, you said you started really with music, but um, where did the passion for sports grow for you uh, growing up? Well, it wasn't from playing them because I stink at everything. I mean, <laughs> it's like I I can get by on the golf course and throw in a Frisbee, and that's about it. Um, no, just growing up outside Detroit, you know, uh, in um, like the northern suburbs, you know, born in Rochester, Michigan, and uh, and grew up in Troy, Michigan. I went to school in Auburn Heights, which is now called Auburn Hills, but it was near the Silver Dome. Um, where the, where the lions used to play. And yeah, I was, I was a fan of, you know, the, the teams, like I think most kids are growing up, you know, as a lions fan, I was a tigers fan. I was a big pistons fan, uh, when I was a kid. And, um, that's probably my first real love. I would say were those mid eighties, late eighties pistons teams that I really, you know, followed and lived and died with. And it's so difficult to, uh, spend as much time watching the Celtics, uh, <laughs> and actually it, it, it hurts me to like this team. It does because as you know, growing up watching those great Pistons Celtics battles, um, it's an odd feeling to actually, you know, have some, uh, you know, some emotional tie to the Celtics now, which I kind of do. I mean, I like this team, but, uh, you know, that's where it started for me just as a fan of those, of those teams in that area. And then at Michigan state becoming a fan, you know, a fan of Michigan state basketball and football, which I was. I wasn't that huge of a fan of, uh, you know, in, in high school, but going to school there, you become a fan. Um, so yeah, it was always something that I just kind of, you know, witnessed. I, I, I stunk at everything, man. I was, I was, I, I used to think I was a decent basketball player, even though I only, I didn't play past eighth grade. And I, I knew I wasn't good enough to play in high school, but it was funny getting to Michigan state and like going out and playing like I am ball or just playing like playground ball in the, in the courts outside the dorms, I would go out there and, and play against guys like you who could actually play in high school, but weren't good enough to play like at a, at a big 10 school. Like, mm. Holy crap. I can't play this game at all. Like yeah. zero. I like, <laughs> I thought I could play a little bit. You can't play like, yeah. stop it. But I like, you know, it's the, some of the best sports fans in the world are guys who absolutely stink at playing the sports, but you know, you know them, you watch them, you like them, you're engaged in it. You've got some uh, emotional attachment to it, even if you can't play. And that was, that was kind of me. So, uh, you know, the, uh, 
you know, getting into the sports angle of it was, it was a long time coming in my career, but I was, you know, I was always a fan. I mean, I, that's, I think that's a good place to start from. Yeah, exactly. And like, again, at the end of the day, I'm a fan as well. And um, not, not that it like but so much for you, cause you guys are on the air every day. We're talking about it in the NBA finals uh, with the Celtics, but I'm a huge New York fan. I love the Knicks. I love the Giants, the Yankees, but I'm a Bruins fan for hockey. So um, it's, it's like, it was tough watching them in the finals. All my friends are Celtics fans, but we'd always go out, watch the games and everything like that. So it's like, you know, they kind of grew on me. So I, I, I see where you're coming from at that point. And um, yeah. As, yeah. As far as like playing days and stuff, you know, I really wanted to be a college athlete. Of course, I wanted to play at my school at, at Rick and uh, Rhode Island college it was D three. But um, again, I was working out with one of my friends the other day who plays football at Stone Hill in uh, Easton is a D one school now. And we're doing like all these conditioning workouts. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not built for this. I haven't done this. In, I haven't done this in two years. I'm like, just remember from like my senior year of high school it was the last time I did true like conditioning. And that was like two, three years ago. So I'm like, yeah, there's no way I would have, you know, this is the right career path for me that I'm going down. Was, you know, I made the right decision. But it's, you know, you can, you can be, it's so lame and it sounds like such a loser mentality, but it's like, all right, if you can't play, you can be the best fan that you can be. Like yeah. I, w- I was living in New Mexico. I had moved from, from Lansing, you know, in this rock radio job to work at another alternative rock station in, in Albuquerque uh, back in 1996. And the next year, the Red Wings uh, made it to the Stanley cup final. And, you know, we were watching every game there in Albuquerque and I, you know, I was an awful hockey player myself. I played both in line and a little bit of ice, but never as a kid, you know, I was just, cause again, I was like stunk, mm. but as a fan, um, my buddy calls me from Detroit and he's like, Hardy, you got to make it back for game four. The wings are going to sweep the flyers. You got to do it. You got to make it back here. And I was making no money and I was, uh, you know, I was watching all these games at whatever, you know, whatever bar we could find in that would show the Red Wings games. And I said, fine, I'm going to do it. And I maxed out my credit card to buy like a, a red eye Southwest flight from Albuquerque back to Detroit and ended up essentially sneaking into Joe Lewis Arena uh, for game four where they did win the Stanley Cup. So it, wow. and, you know, that was one of my like great sports memories and moments. And I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I might be crap at playing all these things, but that's a real fan move right there. Like essentially going into debt just so you can hop on a red eye, fly overnight and not even having a ticket in hand just to be in the town and hopefully get into the game, which I did. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's stuff like that, that you, you won't be able to do that again. Won't have that same like, you know. Now, now that I'm like older and, you know, family and, you know, a job, it's like, well, I've got like a security net to where if you really wanted to go do one of those things, you could, it may not be the smartest thing financially, but you know, you're not going to put yourself into at real risk by doing it. That was a risk, but dude, it's like, I banged out of work and like, you know, maxed out a credit card just to buy a plane ticket. So I could go watch a hockey game. Like how dumb is that? Mm. But it felt great doing it at the time. And it was like, no, you, you, things like that you'll never have a chance to do again i'm glad i did it exactly and like uh this got with the celtics being you know in the nba finals uh just most recently a nosebleed seat was like 1200 probably you know what i mean yeah. and like some people like that that do that like me and my friends were gonna do it and i'm like i'm not really like a celtics fan i'm not gonna spend 1200 on a ticket but um well, it's like that's a one that's a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah exactly there's a guy who works at the at the golf course i play at a lot and um he w- he went to game four and he spent like $1,200 on the ticket and he was asking me about it. And I'm like, dude, uh, 
I don't know, man. I'm like, if it were game seven, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I, I even told him, I said, you're going to spend all that money on a ticket. I said, you know, they could lose. Mm. You know, you realize you're not guaranteeing yourself. And the same thing could have happened to me with the Red Wings and the Flyers. Like they could have lost the game. Uh, and the story isn't nearly as good. But at least they had a chance to close it out yeah. on ice, which they did. Like that wasn't going to happen for game four at the garden a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, what are you doing? Series is still going on. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, especially even game six too. It's like, yeah, you won game six and you're going to game seven, but like the series is still going on. Like the Celtics still could lose and they evidently lost to insects, but right. It's yeah. just, you, you know, you, you can, you got to pick your spots, man. You yeah, exactly. Pick your spots for stuff like that. Exactly. Um, you know, going again, going back to your career again, looking more at uh, Michigan state. Um, yeah. What more uh, like, programs did you get into as far as like the media and uh you know i said you were, you were big on the radio so did you do like just radio or were you like more i know your major was journalism like you wrote sports did you like broadcast like sports play-by-play and stuff like that or i didn't do any i didn't do any writing um well i mean a lot of writing in classes i was gonna do i was gonna be a telecom major and my advisor uh advised me against it he said look for telecom there's a lot of technical stuff you're gonna learn And I thought maybe I wanted to be like in TV news is what I was really thinking about doing. And he's like, "Uh, no, what you need to do is learn how to write. You need a journalism degree. And with a journalism degree, you can do a lot of different things. Telecom, maybe not so much, you know, it may have served me well, but instead I just, I, I majored in journalism with an emphasis in broadcast and ended up learning how to write both for the eye and for the ear. Um, and God, you know, Cam, it was so long ago. I'm sure I wrote stuff for like the student paper or something. I, I, really, I, I really can't remember. I, I haven't done any play-by-play still to this day. Not anything like meaningful that I could point to. And by the way, I've offered up my services to the, uh, uh, to the Ultimate League. I think I could do a pretty good, I could be a pretty good color analyst for uh, Ultimate Frisbee. Um, but um, <laughs> No, or golf for that matter. They they tend to you know choose I can see guys. golf. Yeah, yeah. They could they, they tend to choose guys who are actually good golfers for those jobs. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough to grab one. It's very Seinfeld. You know, like George wants to be like a a play by play guy for the Yankees. Mm. Yeah, they they tend to go with former players for that, George. Right. Uh, so I don't know if that's in the cards for me doing any play by play. But yeah, Michigan State uh, did a lot of like TV news and stuff like that and trying to learn all that. And, you know, I I got a glimpse of it and I I thought, I don't think this is really for me. It doesn't seem like all that much fun. I was having a ton of fun on the student radio station. And when I got done with school, you know, I like tended bar during school and I and I, you know, DJed and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm just going to I'm going to work in radio for a while and see how this goes. And it might be smarter and more grown up job to, you know, really go for like the TV news aspect of it. But I just, I didn't like it. It it seemed like a lot of BS. And I'm like, as, as long as we're just going to be, you know, goofing around about a bunch of stuff, might as well do it in a place where it's kind of allowed and encouraged. And in alternative radio at the time, that was it. It's like, no, man, you don't have to put on any disguises. You don't have to put on any airs, just be yourself. I'm like, okay, good. I can go do that. So that's what I ended up doing. Uh, But the, Having that that training and, and all the classes and all the stuff I took in writing, that's huge. That because th- th- that factors into everything in life. Writing for the eye and writing for the ear. And when you're when you're writing copy for someone to read, that's one thing. Right? When you're writing copy that you're going to speak, 
that's another skill set. And you need to have them both in this business. And, you know, and I got both of those, you know, you know, out of my, you know, classes and my degree from, from uh, Michigan state. Yeah. Right. And like uh, going back to like your career path, like you said, like your main focus was to be in radio. You wanted to be in radio. Yeah. Um, and going back to earlier, what you said, like just saying yes to every opportunity that comes your way. My main goal is I want to be like a, a broadcaster and I know how hard that is, like how hard that field is to get into. So um, again, like I mentioned earlier, like I want to get into anything I can just to, just to build a resume for myself. Like I did this, I did this. And like, it's, I love everything I've done so far. I've loved, like, I've, I've like the, like so far at the internship at the sports hub has been like amazing. Um, the play by play I did at my old school, like the paper I wrote for everything I've done, like I've loved, like, I don't know, like something specific that I want to stick with. Well, like I said, play by play is what I want to stick with, but you know, where is that going to take me? Cause like that is a, like I said, a tough thing to get into. So um, one, of, one of the best things I've done cam is, is like, moved around and i exactly. know other yeah, exactly. guys who have done it who have you know and, and and some of the guys working in this town now have you know bopped around different parts of the country you know doing minor league teams in el paso go somewhere else you might have to work a second job in order to make ends meet and all that stuff it's it's a great part of the process for me that i wouldn't give up for anything i mean i i moved to albuquerque because the job was going to pay, I think I was making $18,000 a year in East Lansing and the job in Albuquerque was going to pay me 25 grand a year. A, I thought I was rich and B, um, I still struggled, of course, but that struggle is great. You know, it makes you hungry. It makes you do good work. It makes you, uh, you know, focus in on what you're doing so you can get that next job in a bigger market. And, and, you know, that's the type of thing. It's like, I want to be play-by-play for the Celtics. Well, I'm sure you do, but they're probably not going to give you that job right now. If Gorman decides to step down tomorrow, it's, you know, and, and nor should they, there are other guys out there who are like working at it and they're, and they are hungry for it. And they have, you know, put in their, not just their time, but they have honed their skill in other markets away from home where they put themselves out there on the line. And it's like, you know, you it's, Look, you got to be good to keep your job to survive. Otherwise, you're going to have to tuck tail and move back home. And you don't want to do that. You're out there trying to, you know, make something happen. And moving away and getting out of your comfort zone and immersing yourself in a job like that, if that's what you think you want to do, there's real value in doing just that. Yeah, and that's why I kind of started my podcast. Like, I know I don't have, like, a huge following. That's not, like, my goal to get, like, a huge following. It's just to, my main goal is to just meet people and to learn what their experiences have been, like, like um. Like if I didn't have that internship, I don't know if I would like have you on or, or like, you know, if I didn't reach out to the certain people that I did, like I had uh, Tim Sinclair, who's the PA announcer for the Chicago Bulls on. Like I just, I just sent him an email. Well, I, yeah. I, I saw his, some of his videos on like TikTok and like Instagram. And I'm like, oh, like I, I've never heard of him. And like, he's accomplished so many things. And I'm like, let's see if, you know, he answers. So a couple of weeks go by and he answers. So I'm like, if I can do that with him, I can do that with, you know, a ton of people. It doesn't hurt to, you know, send an email and to, you know, offer. So like, um, again, going back to like the, like moving experience like that's that's how you outlet yourself is just uh you know outletting yourself to different opportunities and i completely agree with that 100 percent. now to like all the job opportunities that you had um and back in now in 2017 when you started at the sports hub how did how did the job opportunity come to you uh for 98.5 was actually it was 09 i had moved to i had moved to boston late 04 early 05 worked on bcn for a few years and you know they they told us like look WBCN is going away. You know, the Heritage Rock Station in Boston, it's going to go away. Uh, in this very studio is going to be a sports talk station. 
um, and they said, look, you're you're essentially you're fired. OK, but you can audition to have a job on the sports hub. You know, we, we think maybe you could do this job. And I, I did a couple of auditions in, in a different studio down the road. I did a uh, like a, a fake show with uh, Dan Roach. I did one. And um, Dan I, and Dan and I are friends to this day. And, you know, we just played golf together here not long ago. It was, he's a he's a great guy. Um, I don't think he wanted to do the sports talk radio thing. I mean, he's an established TV sports guy. He kind of had his gig. Uh, the other guy I auditioned with was Jerry Truppiano, who was a former voice of the Red Sox. And uh, Troop and I hit it off and we started doing Hardy and Troop. They said, okay, you know, we like the way this audition sounds. So I went from being a, you know, an on-air rock and roll DJ on a Wednesday in August back in 2009 to Saturday morning, 8 a.m., four-hour sports talk show, Hardy and Jerry Truppiano, go. And it was... <laughs> Look, I don't know if they knew it was going to work. I didn't know if it was going to work, but I knew I wasn't going to, you know, like allow the opportunity to pass me by. Plus, Cam, I needed a job. You know, I needed the job, even if it was only part time. I had been a full time at radio employee for years, but, you know, that, that this was the first time I hadn't been, you know, fully employed in my adult life. And, uh, you know, after college anyway, and it sucked. Uh, started doing it and Troop was good to work with a guy who had never done, you know, sports talk before. And we did Hardy and Troop together for, oh man, uh, I guess eight years, maybe, you know, we, you know, we were on the air together for, for that amount of time. God, I think so. Um, and, and it was good. And, and, and once, you know, I started doing that, I'd started filling in on headlines for like middays for Tangway and Zolak, a little bit at first and you know we were all kind of bouncing around until we all kind of settled into our roles and it was settled in pretty early on in the sports hub life where i think it was like late fall 2009 where i started doing you know the the headlines regularly on the midday show for tangway and zolak which became gresham zo which then became zolak and bertrand and that's where I've been ever since. And yeah, you know, continue doing weekend shows for a while. I started the golf show in 2013. Uh, so that's now in its 10th year. And uh, that was it. It was just a matter of convincing them. Yep, I can do that. And I'll do an audition and I'll try out some, you know, some different partners, see how it sounds. And then, you know, they gave us a shot on that Saturday morning, you know, the first week the Sports Hub launched and uh, just kind of just kind of went and grew from there. Right. Yeah. When I said uh, 2017, I meant like that's when Zolak and Bertrand was introduced, correct? In 2017? If you say so. I or something like that. Sounds yeah. about right. I think it's, I think it was earlier than that. I think it was, if I had to guess, it was probably closer to like 15 or something like 15? that. 15? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So yeah, since the start of the show in 2015 or, you know, around that time. Yeah. Um, how was your like chemistry and uh, built over the years with Zoe and Beetle and uh, the production crew that you guys have had too? Oh, I mean, it's, I don't even know if I can, if I, I can like describe it. We all know each other so well, mm. you know, Jim Louth was our producer for so long and now he's one of the bosses. So it's, it's good to still have him, you know, around uh, and with, you know, with T-Bone with Tom Morgan, he's been around for so long. We all, we all know each other's moods. We all know each other. We can communicate stuff to each other just with a glance, you know, at, at this point, which is important when you're on the radio or you've got a guest on the phone and you can just kind of like, you know, 
you can read the energy in that room uh, between the three of us or four of us or five of us now, just because we've been doing it together for so long. And, you know, I, I, I love those guys. We all uh, get along, which is odd for some shows. Not all shows get along all the time. We all get along. We all hate each other certain days. Uh, you know, sometimes two guys hate the other guy, you know. I'm sure there are days when both Beetle and Zoe can't stand me or whatever I'm bringing to the table. But, you know, once you're doing it for so long and having some success with it and and you just uh, you, you, you learn each other's like moods and rhythms and everything else. And I would I wouldn't have it any other way, quite frankly. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's essentially family at this point. You spend as much time, you know, with your work family you know, when you're in it for this long, sometimes as you do your actual family. So you better get along and you better learn to read each other. Otherwise, going to work is going to be miserable and it's never miserable going to work. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys have spent like a lot of uh, time at like certain events, meeting athletes, coaches, talking to coaches yeah. and, you know, huge guys in like the sports industry. Um, talk a little bit about that, like what kind of events you guys have been like invited to. And uh, what's it like talking to like these kinds of guys in studio too? Like I know we just saw it, Ray Bork and we talked sure. to Ime Udoka a couple of times, you know, talk a little bit about that too. I will, I will give you one story. Cause yeah, we've been to Super Bowls and we talk with yeah, coaches exactly. and all this stuff. I'll give you, I'll give you one example. It was a, uh, it was a, a fundraiser, I think for best buddies and Beetle, Zoe and I were all there with a couple other people and Tom Brady was there and I'd met Brady, you know, a time or two before, but Zoe knows him quite well. So we go up, Brady sees us when he comes into the room and we all kind of like, and we all go over and Zoe's like, uh, Hey, yeah, Tom, I'm, I think you've uh, met uh, Hardy before, but he's the one who always makes fun of your wife. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and Brady's got this like thousand yard stare and smile. He looks at me like, is that right? <laughs> like, don't try your, Tom Brady, or don't try your like your, your Tom Cruise like Scientology smile stare thing at me. It's not gonna work, dude. I never say anything about your wife. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> come on, whatever, whatever. That's kind of cool though. I mean, if if I was introduced to Tom Brady and he said that, that was the first thing that Zoe, that came out of Zoe's mouth. I don't. Yeah. Handled it better than I would have, but yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And you know, we got coming down to the last couple of minutes. Like I said, the uh, Zoom like time limit thing, but. Um, to kind of end it off, wow, what was one of your like most memorable moments uh, at the sports hub, like over the years? I mean, being at the Super Bowl in Houston, uh, the twenty-eight to three comeback, and that was that was where a lot of stuff came together. Um, this is gonna this is gonna sound like I thought about this ahead of time, but I, uh, j this just now occurred to me. I was working for the sports hub, and I was also working for the Patriots. Uh, and I, you know, we did this drive for five bus to Houston where uh, big Jim Murray and I rode on this big tour bus all across the country and did fan rallies in every city along the way. And I was, I was doing satellite radio on the bus, you know, while, you know, we were getting down there and it, you know, culminated in this, in this game that looked like it was going to go horribly wrong. And it, they ended up winning and we were all there together. And it was just like everything coming together at once. You know, my job with the sports hub and working for the Patriots and doing my satellite radio along the way. And it was everything all together in one week. And, uh, you know, the, the greatest ending to the greatest Super Bowl game of all time. So that's probably my my wrap it all up story that I would that I would use. That's awesome, Marty. And again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I always ask everyone uh, at the end of the podcast, what do you think of Camp's Corner and who might you want to see as a future guest uh, along the line? 
I would like to see you hold a mirror up to yourself and interview yourself. Because as good as this was, it could only be better if it was all you. Hold up a mirror, interview yourself. See how that goes. Thanks, Artie. I appreciate it so much. I'll let you know when this is out, and uh, I'll be in touch. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man.